Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Thursday evening. Joining us from Las Vegas, Nevada, as if he never left, at Team USA training camp, which started today, is Tim Buntemps. I landed here last night and it sort of felt like I never left. I was just waiting for the broken down tram to get over to my baggage claim. I was like, oh, I'm back for another week, back in Vegas. Was was it broken down? Yeah, it's le- it's legitimately one of them has been broken. For the last time here, I was here. One was broken down or under maintenance or whatever, and this time is the other one. Like the rest of Las Vegas, because the entire city is under construction for the uh, the F1 race that's coming here in a couple of months, uh, live on ESPN, and uh, the whole city is under construction as a result of that, including the airport. By the way, did you see that? I'm sorry, I didn't introduce you yet. I don't know who you are. Did you see that if um, that basically, and who knows, this is is a negotiating position, but if the hotels and restaurants don't pay like some sort of per head fee, they're going to put up billboards or, you know, barricades so that they can't see the race. Because obviously the racetrack is not contained. It's down Las Vegas Boulevard. And so they want they want the restaurants and stuff to pay like X number per head, which of course we passed on to the customers, or they're just gonna block their view of the race. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing thing. A, it's fascinating. It's like the old uh the, with the Cubs, the within the Cubs like threaten that with the yes, the that's right. The bleacher yeah. seats. Joining us from Dallas, Texas, the one, the only band McMahon. Howdy, partners. I uh I'm going to pass on the Las Vegas per head joke that popped in my mind. Ready to talk about the NBA. <laughs> uh, or Team USA in this case. Um, so today, uh, first opportunity to talk to members of that team, several of whom had signed big contracts and hadn't spoken to the media yet. So, so some of whom could sign big contracts in the short-term future. Bontemps, having covered a number of these, it's hard to really tell much from the first day, but I'll ask you, what did you see on the first day? Well, to me, the most interesting thing on the first day was sort of how Steve Kerr broke up his lineups for the scrimmaging that they had. So there's two real point guards on the team, Jalen Brunson and Tyrese Halliburton. They, not surprisingly, were each on separate teams. There were two guys that Steve Kerr called their centers, which I thought was interesting, which we'll get to in a minute. The Sheriff Walker Kessler and Jaron Jackson Jr. They were on separate teams. And then, as he said, he, quote, split it down the middle with all the wings. So you had a mix and match of the guys and both of those groups in order to you know see a lot of different lineups. So you had Anthony Edwards and Brandon Ingram on one team. You had Mikhail Bridges on the other. And it's going to be interesting to see to me what this group ultimately looks like from a rotation standpoint and a starting five standpoint, because this is a group of fully new senior national players. None of them have played in a world cup or an Olympics before. And there's not a lot of guys that you look at that are bona fide superstars. You say, well, this guy is definitely going to start. I would say that the two guys that I feel pretty confident are going to start. Jared Jackson Jr., I think, will certainly start at one of the big spots. And I'm pretty confident Jalen Brunson will start at point guard, given he seems to sort of have been, I think, fairly labeled as the guy who's going to be the leader of this group. 
um, which he obviously showed he could do both with Dallas and especially this past year with the Knicks. I think outside of that, Mikhail Bridges probably also is a starter. And then you've got another wing spot and either a second wing spot or a big spot that I think you could see four or five or six different ways in terms of how Steve Kerr wants to do it. And it's going to be very interesting to see sort of how that shakes itself out over the next week or two or beyond um, to see what things look like. And Kerr himself said today when I asked him about it, that that sort of sorts that stuff sort of sorts itself out over the first week or two of camp and the initial game or two that they play. And that's the thing I'm most excited to watch in the scrimmage on Monday is what do they look like as a starting group and what is the rotation? Cause I think he can go a lot of different ways. Who's the can I tell a couple of, can I tell a couple of team USA training camp stories? Actually, McMahon, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. Well, we want to hear stories. I was just wondering who the biggest name is, but I think we'll get, we'll get to that later. Story time with Wendy is always there. <laughs> Okay, I mean, I know there's more important things to talk about, but eh, it's August. Uh, I, I Bontemps is covering this training camp. I, I didn't go because I'm leaving for a month with them for Abu Dhabi and Manila soon, and um, they're actually going to uh, Malaga, Spain for uh, next week, which I'm not going to, which would actually be great. But I gotta, you gotta draw the line somewhere. I think ESPN felt the same way, like you know, six weeks away with this team, but. Um, I've covered a bunch of these training camps and a couple of memories that I'll always have from them. One in 2014, which was right before the world championship world cup that they had in Spain. Uh, that was the year that Paul George broke his leg, but that's not the memory that I have that I have fond memory um, was after these practices that like the Tim covered today was the one-on-one -on -one games that would go on. This is a bit of a tradition at, Team USA training camp. I don't know if they'll do it this year. Didn't um, really today. Yeah. But the, and the other thing is, is that this team, because the world cup and the Olympics are in back-to-back -back summers mm -hmm. back then, they used to be in the off year. So the Olympics were in 2012 in London world cup, 2014 in Spain Olympics, 2016 in Rio, you got more of the a level players. Now, they've bumped it back to back years. You get sort of the younger players, but it was more the A-list players. Um, and so um, watching Kevin Durant, James Harden, Paul George play one-on-one -on -one with each other, absolutely trying to win mm -hmm. uh, in each other's, you know, chest, um, some trash talking and I watched it for multiple days on end. And first off at that time, how old was Durant in 2014? Um, 25, 26. No one was beating him. Right. No one. Maybe you could get a, you know, you could get a game, but over the course of multiple games, no, what they play to. I don't remember. Probably it was 11. it was like King of the Hill. They would they would just they would That's sort right. of just they would because I was there too. Right. They would rotate out like Paul George okay. would go up against Durant. One of them would score. The whoever didn't would get bumped off. Carmelo would jump in. James Harden would jump in. You know right. they you, you, would you all rotate through. Said. Yeah, yeah, and Durant was hard. It was hard to get Durant off the court, but like they were working really hard, and that was the. I wish I'm sure that there's video of it somewhere. It was awesome. 
It was awesome to watch. Could you honestly? Could you imagine if the NBA could put something like that together at All Star Weekend? Some kind of, I mean, that would be bigger than. I mean, could replace the skills challenge with that. People would want to see that. But they would replace have the All Star game. Replace the All Star game with that. They would. Right. They would have to want to do it. They would have to want right. to do it. And um, yeah. everybody's too cool for school at the All Star game now. Um, but this was as enjoyable as anything I've ever seen covering the NBA was watching those one-on-one games. And um, uh, I remember just being like the level of intensity for a practice in July. Mm -hmm. Then I remember in 2018, they had a training camp. Greg Popovich had just taken over as the head coach and, um, Pop let us watch practice. We got to watch huge swaths of practice. And he was, he did this thing that was like from grade school. He made the play. And like, you know, Durant was at this. Harden was there. Paul George was there. Like, you know, same guys from 2014, like, you know, A-list guys. At the end of practice, he would put him on the line. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't make the free throw, you had to run. Uh, we called them suicides when I was a kid and pop would, I think clay Thompson was there. I think he put clay on the line and clay missed. Yeah, he did. And he, and he made him run. Wait, and uh, clay had to run or everybody had to run everybody. everybody. Okay. Right. He missed everybody. a free throw. Everybody had to run. Right. And so pop. And then I remember like, they were kind of huffing and puffing a little bit and pop said, okay, run. You're going to, you're going to run on this one you're going to keep running until I blow the whistle. And people were kind of like groaned a little bit, you know, they're like, you know, this is, come on, this is uh they didn't, even, by the way, they didn't even have a, an event that year. It was just like back then they was like, we're going to just get together to work on fever rules. It was just a, just a summer to get together for three or four days. And they kind of were like, Oh, so they got back on the line and they said, go. And they took three steps and pop blew the whistle. <laughs> That's he, really he, funny. He, and they, it was, so then it became funny. That's kind of what pop does. But the one thing I'll always remember is that there was this uh, G league player named Reggie Hearn. And the reason he was there is because he had helped the team. He had been the most consistent player and the biggest way for the teams that qualified for the world cup, just like in soccer, you qualify for the world cup, like over 18 months. And it's like in the middle of the year and it's all over you know, the, the Americas, you know, you go into South, you go into Argentina, you go into Panama, you're going to Puerto Rico in the middle of the season. And they get G league guys to do it this year. Langston Galloway, Langston Galloway was kind of the star of the, the, the group that, that did it, did the qualify this time. And the Langston Galloway, even though he's out of the NBA, his NBA career is, kind of, I don't think he's played in the league in two years. He is sort of his reward is he's at this training camp with the select yeah. team. But in this case, Reggie Hearn was with the main team. And so after Clay had missed that free throw and they were huffing and puffing and it came time to, to shoot again, uh, Pop, out of all those guys, all the team USA, eight team, Pop pick Reggie Hearn, mm. go to the line. And it's just a gym and there's nobody in there. You know, there's a bunch of scouts in there and some media. It's just a gym in Vegas in, in July. And Clay Thompson had just missed and everybody had to run, you know, Clay Thompson's a future hall of famer. And I'll never forget, like what a moment for this guy, 
you know, and he made the two free throws. And it was such a, that was one of those moments about Greg, that Greg Popovich, you know, Greg Popovich does that you don't get to see. That's a reason people like him so much, stuff like that, inviting him and putting him in that moment. Um, and then him delivering. I mean, I didn't talk to him about it, but I have to imagine it was a really cool moment, even though he had a long college career and a long training right. career. So anyway, those are the kind of stuff that's happening this week. And I don't know if you get to see some of that stuff on temps. I don't know if I just bored you, but um, this is always, I'm kind of, I'm kind of kind of sad that I just don't have it on my schedule to go. Cause I just, I need to spend some time at home this summer, but it's, it's, this is a really cool thing. I know that there's a lot of, why are you laughing at me? No, you know, saying, Team USA is sad too that you sent bomb tips. <laughs> I know. They're like, who's coming instead of you? I'll say this Tim Reynolds would never send, never send a backup. I mean, that's an Tim iron. Reynolds. Right Tim Reynolds, Tim Reynolds, and Joe Varden, both on the scene, both yeah. on the scene here in Vegas. Yeah. I'll catch up with them in the desert. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. All right. So, Bontemps, you wrote a story that published today about uh, about Anthony Edwards, who is a key player on this team, one of the three all-stars on this roster uh, who have been all-stars, um, Ant, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, and Brandon Ingram, who wasn't an all-star this year but has been one. And Tyrese and, Halliburton. Oh, I apologize to Mr. Halliburton. Anyway, maybe it was just three all-stars this last year. There's three this year Ingram. plus Ingram. Yeah. Yeah. Apologies all around. We talked about this a little bit on a previous pod, but you wrote about it. Uh, why you think this is a, you, you've been uh, a big believer in Ant since he's came into the league, but you um, see a moment here for him. Yeah. I think you talked about it last week on the podcast, how in 2010, Kevin Durant was going into his fourth year, had signed a max extension, went over to Turkey led that team to a gold medal with a whole group of players that was turned over from the 2008 Olympic team and led them through a pretty hostile environment to a gold medal. And Anthony Edwards is in a position right now to do the same thing where with this team that does not have a clear superstar player, which we're going to get to in a second with McMahon's question earlier, he's got a chance to be the go-to guy on this team, which is really not what it has. I think it's a really well-balanced, well-constructed roster versatile players across the board, really no weak links defensively, really fits together well. But the one thing it doesn't have is that go-to guy that you say, that is the guy 
that when this team needs 10 points in the fourth quarter, that guy's going to go get them. And Anthony Edwards, to me, is the most logical candidate to do that. And if this team wins the gold medal, it's because I think Anthony Edwards is playing at that kind of level, and he's as good as anybody in this tournament. And if he's not able to do that, then I think it's more likely than not that whether it's in the gold medal game or sometime before that, Team USA is not going to get where it wants to go. And I think he's the guy that you look at and say, this is the guy that needs to be the best player on this team. And if he is, I feel pretty good about their chances of winning gold. Yeah. I, listen, when I, when I was asking, like, who's the best player on that team? Who's the biggest name on that team? I, I do think he's the biggest name. I think Brunson, as, as you mentioned, is kind of the most established leader. But in terms of, like, pure star power, is there, like, is there a close second, Anthony Edwards? I mean, I think it depends. Like, I would, I would say you could argue that he and Tyrese Halliburton are of a similar two guys star wattage, supermax extensions. But I think Jalen Brunson's going to be the starting point guard, and Anthony Edwards is the kind of force on the wing with his ability to fill it up. That is just a, a different kind of player for this environment and for this team mm-hmm. right now. And he has the, and to your point, he has the the star wattage from a personality standpoint to use this as a springboard and really go into this season. Like if they win the gold medal and he plays great and is the MVP of the tournament, that's going to be a really big springboard for him going into what is a pretty big season for the wolves. And you could look at him as a guy that could be a first or second team, all NBA guy next year easily. If he has that kind of performance, we've seen guys do that before, but now it's up to him to do it. And this team really needs him to do it because I don't think there's an obvious other guy to to take on that role if he's not able to do it. And there was one moment today, he was guarding Mikhail Bridges, most standout moment of practice. It was a watcher about a half an hour. Mikhail Bridges drove in from the right wing, went mm-hmm. up in the air, tried to throw a pass on the baseline. Anthony was guarding him, jumped up, stole the ball, corralled it, took it coast to coast, got fouled, and nearly made an and one over two guys. It rolled around the rim and fell out. That's the kind of explosive move at both ends. There's not another guy on this team that can do that. And they need him to play like that in the tournament. If they do, then I think they got a good shot. Well, and the league needs Anthony Edwards to, to emerge as a superstar because, you know, we've talked about this before. There's not a lot of marketable potential superstar young American players in the NBA right now. If you talk about under 25 years old, how many guys would you say fit that description? Marketable potential superstar that are American. Jaw. Right. And there's obviously some major concerns there. Zion. There's some major concerns there. You know, Trey Young, LaMelo Ball. I'd say there's some pretty significant concerns there as well. I mean, none of these guys are, you know, locks. Right. I mean, I would say Jaw's a lock to be a superstar if he if he can get out of his own way. Yeah, well, geez, that's well, a, a pretty significant if. You know, there's, I mean, a, look, it, there's an old saying I think applies here. If if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. I mean, it's it the it's an interesting question to look at and say who is going to be the next American to win MVP of the league, just in general. Forget yeah. even under twenty five. The last five years in a row, it's been won by foreign born players. Shea Gildas Alexander is the best player in this tournament. I think he's got a chance to be an MVP, especially for uh, Oklahoma City. By the way, this is the second time you said this today, because you said it on uh, NBA Today. Luke Luka Doncic is in this tournament. Ooh, 
Well, really? I would. I think those guys I, I, are the I, I, two. I, I, you, there's uh, an argument for you know you can say those are the two best players, but sure, I, 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 would, I, I would. I think they're the two I, best players. I'm high players. on Shea too. I'm high on Shea too. I just you know, I don't I think, think he's Luca yet. He was better than Luca last year. I mean, Luca had a very disappointing 32. I I, I know he was better than Luca last year. Yeah. I mean, uh, I would say it's either way. He is one of the two best players clearly in the tournament, assuming Giannis doesn't okay. play. So. I agree. I'm not trying to say he's way better than Luca. I think they're it's a toss up. But the fact that it's a toss up shows how good the guy is. Uh, and well, I think Shea's really, really good. I think Shea's really, really good. I think it's premature to say it's a toss up between him and Luca when Luca's been first team All NBA four straight years. Well, they were both a first team All NBA this past year. So I would, I would say, even if you want to say he's slightly behind. However you want to say it. They're the two best players in the tournament by a significant amount. I think I would put both of them probably ahead of anybody that it's American right now to win MVP. So maybe a guy like Jason Tatum could maybe do it. I think it's unlikely to happen. Maybe they have a year where they win 62, 63 games because their team's really good and he wins MVP. But I would say it's more unlikely than more, more unlikely than likely. And I think of all these guys we've talked about, Anthony Edwards is the guy that I think you look at and say he could be the next guy. I don't know if he will be, but and and frankly, we might find out over the next six weeks because if he comes out and is the guy on this team, that could be an indication of where he's headed. And he certainly has the physical ability and the star power from a personality standpoint to be the kind of guy that's a household name across the league. But now he it's also time for has... him to show he could do it. Well, his personality is not been discovered unless you're a pretty significant fan of either the Wolves or the NBA. His right. personality is magnetic. He has improved significantly as a shooter with the hope that he can improve even more. And something that I didn't know about him coming out of Georgia that I have watched is his defensive ability. His You mentioned his wingspan and his ability to play make defensively. I did not, I didn't, I didn't hear one person talk about his defense when he was coming into the league. Maybe that's because that was my fault, Mm -hmm. but Rudy Gobert told me he thinks he can be the best wing defender in the league. And basically like on, on, was that shade of Donovan Mitchell? Was that just, was that just, uh... (laughs) well, you saw it, you saw it in the, in the series against Memphis last year when he was guarding Ja Morant and giving Ja all kinds of problems. Like that was the moment for me. Watching that series, seeing him do that, I was like, "Whoa!" Well, then you also saw him. You also saw him on a critical inbounds play of the game on the line. You know, go high side gambling for a steal and letting Jaw get yeah. And so that like the he did not have a good playoff series. I think that's fair to say that the challenge for Ant defensively, like as far as physically and like just guard your man. You know, when it's one on one competitive kind of situation, you know the competitive. Uh, spirit, the the physical gifts, you know, strength, quickness, all those things, like off the charts. It's okay, you know. How, how well are you thinking the game? How well are you? You know, what are you what are you doing when you're, you know, when your man doesn't have the ball in his hands? Are you going to be in the right spots? You're going to be doing all the right things as a help defender. And that's what Gobert was talking about early last season. Was like, hey, if we can get him to lock into all the details this dude might be the best defensive wing in the league. And by the way, Jaden McDaniels is also a guy who's in that sort of a conversation, which 
tells you like the Wolves have the potential to be pretty damn good defensively. Unauthorized trivia question. Uh oh. From me. Here we go. Okay. Now it's time for a hoop collective trivia. Speaking of other Wolves players, the Minnesota Timberwolves have six, six players on their roster who are currently on World Cup rosters. Now, I don't know if all of them are going to report. Six guys. Can you name the six Minnesota Timberwolves who could be playing in the World Cup this summer? Obviously, one of them is Anthony Edwards. Rudy Gobert. Rudy for France. Carl Towns for the Dominican. Kyle Anderson for China. Nikhil Alexander-Walker for Canada. You've gotten the ones I expect you to get. Now the tough one. I mean, that it's very good. Kyle Anderson got Chinese a Chinese passport like less than a month ago. Yeah. And he, he will play for the Chinese. I mean, and Cat uh, played for the Dominican when he was uh, at Kentucky, right? In 20 before, before Kentucky. Yeah, he Calipari hasn't coached the Calipari coached the team. Which made him eligible for Team USA. That's correct. That's right. And they and they played a game at the Garden when Cat is from Metuchen, New Jersey. And they they had uh the Dominicans played there and Cal coached the team and Carl went and played in the World Cup and then he went to uh then he went to Kentucky. Once you play for a country, that's it. The die is cast. Now there has been a couple of times where there's been a dispensation given. The most famous yeah, the other country has to let you out. But even then, it doesn't, you know, FIBA. <laughs> Here's the thing. Like, as I was looking at the the lack of uh depth for the for the big man spots, I questioned whether or not Carl Towns, who hadn't played in like a decade for the Dominican, could be allowed to be an American. And I was told. Even if FIBA would allow something like that, they ain't allowing it for the United States. <laughs> they, right. There was one famous time where they did allow it. And that was when they, uh, I believe, allowed Hakeem Olajuwon yeah. to be a naturalized American. And he played in the, on the second dream team in the World Cup in 94. Uh, but Carl Towns is playing for the Dominicans. And by the way, the Dominicans are a team to watch because they're better than then Al Horford is also on their roster. Now, do I actually think Al Horford's going to play? I'm not so sure about that. Carl Towns has indicated he intends to play. All right. You're and not the, the quiz of the quiz because you left this hanging. All right. Sorry. You got one more. It's a tough one. It's not Luca. I, is it? Who's you say? Luca Garza. He got some kind of tie in a, a different you are, you are correct. It is Garza. Now, what country is it for, for the bonus point? Garza. Is it Mexico? <laughs> it is not. <laughs> Mexico. I'm, sure, not it's, I'm sure it's, I would assume it's a European country, but I, don't, I don't know. Bosnia. Which one. Bosnia. Hmm. Um, is yeah. just and by the way, what's like, what's the tie? I don't know the tie, but he he's on the Bosnian team. Uh, also, Nas Reed is on the select team, but he does not count. He could be promoted to the U.S. team, but they sort of have seven guys sort of doing it. But um, yes, so um, the the Wolves very very well represented this summer, um, and it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Dominicans could end up playing the Americans. The Dominican team is a is a feisty team. They qualified 
by winning in Argentina, you know, historic power in Argentina on the last day of qualifying road win extraordinaire. And then they're adding Carl Towns and their group is not insurmountable. If you've got Carl Towns playing at the top of his game, which, you know, he was injured at the end of the season. So we'll see. Um, but it'll be fascinating to watch Carl Towns play against um, play against the, uh, you know, the Americans. Also, I'll point out Rudy Gobert, as you know, is a Rudy Gobert aficionado, Mr. McMahon. Rudy Gobert has never made a three-pointer um, in the NBA. I believe he's 0 of 14. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then video uh, surfaced of him at practice. Yeah, not um, going well, they played an exhibition game. Who'd they play against? Um, did you see this quote? I didn't see the quote. I saw some highlights. Okay. Nando to Cole right. with some beautiful passes. All right. Well, you allow me to deliver the quote. Um, he hit a three-pointer oh, on Wednesday wait. night. I think I saw I thought this. Okay, go on. I did not see the quote. Okay. It was against Montenegro. And his proclamation after the game, hitting the first three-pointer of his career in a game, apparently. Quote, tonight, I feel like I lost my virginity. Now, it was said in French. It's a Utah joke to be made that won't won't happen on a Disney (laughs) podcast. (laughs) He said it in French, so I'm trusting the translation. But no one has come forward to say that that translation was inaccurate. (laughs) Oh Lordy, Rudy! I love the uh, I love the headline of the story that I saw with this quote in it, which was Rudy Gobert likens first ever three pointer to another provocative first. <laughs> Click. <laughs> I did saw I saw the quote when I was scrolling on Twitter, but I I thought it said he had a triple double. It was a triple. I get it. Yeah. Well, maybe he had a a double another way later, but, um, or, or an atois, atois. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'll just let that one go. Uh, how you say, by the way, something to do with three in, in French. That's correct. Okay. Uh, Luca played his first game with the Slovenians, um, and had a triple double. Yeah. They got beat by a Giannis Greece team though. That's right. Uh, Slovenia. Uh, no, not only no, no quotes about Luca's virginity, and as far as I saw, he just got engaged, so I, I don't think it's going to last much longer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, Slovenia is interesting. They don't have Goran Dragic, Ido Muric, who has been the team captain the last however many times. Uh, he hurt his knee in his professional league, the Adriatic League. He's no longer, or he's not on the team now because of the knee injury. Luke is a captain of Slovenia for the first time as a result. Um, Mike Toby has been their naturalized American center, Luca's pick and roll partner. He's not on the team. They've got another guy's name. I'm slipping a guy who plays in Turkey, uh, an American who plays in Turkey in that spot. So I don't think Slovenia is as strong as they've been in the recent past, but Luca's looking lean. And you know, we've talked about all that. By the way, before we move on, I do just want to fly back um next american to win mvp uh you do have to acknowledge the chances of former mvp winners 
a Steph Curry, a Kevin Durant, who knows, even a LeBron. Um, but I also think you've got to put Devin Booker in that conversation. Maybe. Bontemps <laughs> is not high on the Suns. We know about that. No, I, I think I think I Bob would say Devin's in the same deal in the conversation. That's what he wants. I would to say Devin. No, I would say Devin's in the same category as Tatum. I think both those guys I could see a world where they win MVP, but I think it's more likely than not that they're not quite ever in that class. That's fair. That's all. Okay, pause for topic change. More Hoop Collective Podcast after this. Hey, uh, you also talked, I believe, to some of the Knicks who were there today, Bontemps, including Josh Hart, who is beginning play without a contract extension. Uh, we talked about it on the pod a few days ago, and there's now some more clarity as to why he doesn't. Um, but he talked about it today and talked about his decision that he made in the offseason, which was to, to pick up his option. He could have become an unrestricted free agent. Instead, he picked up his option for $13 million for this upcoming season. And uh, he had some interesting things to say about both. Wish you could tell us about that now. Yeah. So Josh Hart spoke today for the first time since this summer, since picking up his option. And I asked him about why he chose to do that. And obviously it paved the way for them to get another Villanova Wildcat, Dante DiVincenzo on the roster. And he said, look, gives our, gave our team a chance to get better this summer. This is where I want to be long-term worked for me. It worked for the team. And this is why it made sense for us to do it. And I think I'm going to be here in New York long-term. Now, Josh Hart could sign a four-year contract extension next Thursday. He could only sign a two-year contract extension now. So I asked him about, you know, hey, you're here on a one-year deal right now. Is there any trepidation about being here when, you know, there is at least the potential that you could get injured? And he said, yeah, you know, you look around here at everybody else. They're all either just signed these giant deals or... They got two, three, four year contracts are in the middle of them. And I'm just sitting here with one year left on my deal. So I was a little concerned about it, but he smiled a little bit and said, I'm pretty confident we're going to be able to get something done to have me be in New York for a long time. And I think safe to say that sometime in the near future, Josh Hart will be agreeing to a contract extension with the Knicks and he will be with New York for quite a long time with his Villanova buddies. Well, I'll yeah, tell you, what, he, you need a Villanova education to understand trepidation in a, in a question. That's impressive vocabulary right there. Good job. G- good job challenging him, Bontemps. Yeah, if you if you do, if you look at the roster that they have, Bancaro's on the second year of his rookie deal. Bridges in the middle of a long-term deal. Jalen Brunson, the second year of a $100 million deal. Halliburton just signed for $200 million. Anthony Edwards just signed for $200 million. Brandon Ingram's got two years left at the max. Jaron Jackson Jr., I think, is going into the second year of a $100 million deal. Cam Johnson just signed a $100 million, $100 million deal. Walker Kessler's going into the second year of his rookie contract. Austin Reeves just signed a four-year $50 million deal. And Bobby Portis near the end of his career, but in the second year of a long-term deal. You are exactly right. The only guy on that roster who isn't either in his rookie year or in a long-term contract is Josh Hart, uh, at least until I mean next week. I'm pretty sure Josh Hart knows down to the dime what he's going to sign next week. By the time Brian sees Josh Hart in Abu Dhabi, he will have a long-term contract under, under his uh, signature, I, I believe. I understand. I'm just I'm just certain. illustrating that 
Yeah. You know, if you want to know why certain players might not have played on this team, may, some of them who had one-year contracts or uncertainty that didn't know they were going to get a deal before they flew overseas mm-hmm. may have played into it. Well, it's and often, we talked, you don't often see guys who are going to be free agents or only have one year left play. And that that's a, that's the reason why generally is because they want to make sure their stuff is settled. And like, there's a reason why the rest of the roster looks like that. That is generally how the rosters look. It's guys who are in the middle of deals or just signed. Especially for the world cup, which is, you know, a little bit different, but yeah, the, 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 his, him doing that deal. Obviously I think the the Knicks had an understanding that they were going to be able to keep it when they agreed because it was a mutual option, right? Didn't wasn't it both team and player option for this contract? Uh, I believe, I believe it was. And then when they when they agreed to move it back to right before it was the 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 option date was several days before the start of free agency, and then they moved it back to basically the day before the start of free agency. When they did that, you kind of knew that they were getting something figured out, and certainly. Whether he had opted in or out, it was pretty clear he wasn't going anywhere. But when he opted in, you knew that it gave them the ability to use their full mid-level. And then it certainly made sense when they went and got their college buddy to go be on the squad with them. It was funny. Jay Wright was here with Team USA watching today. Obviously, he's been a coach on the staff before. And all of those guys, including Mikhail Bridges, were all at Jalen Brunson's wedding like five days ago. So obviously, Dante is not here on the team but mikhail is and jay wright was here and it's just villanova all the time with these guys i I hope brunson's not trying to pass this off as his honeymoon he's a thrifty fella but i i'm (laughs) i hope he's not trying to pull that one off you don't like honeymooning in las vegas in uh, august you don't think that's (laughs) an ideal honeymoon yeah not none of the uh, it can't be i'm sorry not abu dhabi not uh, not the Philippines. He he's got to give her a full blown honeymoon. He can't get away with this. No word about his feelings on hitting three pointers. <laughs> Another guy who had a contract situation that you talked to today, Bon Temps was Austin Reeves, who I don't think had discussed his contract publicly. The four years, fifty four million, I think, with the Lakers. Fifty eight, um, I believe. Or maybe it was 54. I went, I, I looked at a couple of things today. I miscorrected Wendy too. Jaron Jackson is going into a second year. Go on. He signed it two years ago. That's yeah, 54. Why. 54. Austin Reeves, who you said you would have matched a contract up to 100 million on, uh, got 54. Go ahead, Bon Temps. What did he say? The thing that was most interesting about that was I asked him, did he consider taking a different kind of deal? As listeners of the pod probably know, he, the Lakers could give him four for 54 and that was the max they could do the four for a hundred deal. You're talking about is if they did the, if somebody gave him the Gilbert arenas poison pill deal, where the first two years are on the mid level and then the next two jump way up, which the Lakers could not do, but another team could have offered him the Spurs or another team with a ton of cap space. I, I, I thought that would have capped that about uh, in the 80 ish range. I That's was, that. I was told there, by, I'll just tell you, well, I'm not, I give whatever the Rockets thought he was worth a hundred million dollars. Like they would have loved to have him. And he said, I forgot. He went on one of these player podcasts and mentioned the Spurs and Rockets. Um, But you know, he's also made it very clear. And he said it to you guys again today, he wanted to be in LA and kind of the thought process from the Rockets. And I'm sure the Spurs and whoever else had cap space was like, it makes no sense just to tie up our cap space for, 
you know, whatever the matching period would have been because the Lakers weren't going to let him go. I mean, it's only a day. I was surprised nobody at least pushed the Lakers to do it and then have the Lakers have a giant contract on their books, whether he's a good player or not. Now he's got one of the best contracts in the league. And like I've said a few times, I think that was the best piece of the Laker business by a country mile this summer was getting him locked up on a four-year deal at 13 and a half a year. I mean, that's that's going to be one of the best deals in the league. But Some people in, think D'Angelo Russell's deal is a better bargain like D'Angelo Russell himself. <laughs> well, we'll leave that as it may. But I, I asked him because I was curious, did he think about signing a shorter-term deal a one-year deal to be a full-blooded restricted free agent next summer when there was no cap on what he could make, maybe sign a two-year deal and then get back in later. And he said that he and his agents talked through every permutation of what he could possibly do. But -hmm. ultimately, he wanted to be in LA, like you said, and it just made sense for him to sign up for that, to get the four-year deal. He obviously hasn't made any money yet in his career, lock himself in, be able to stay in LA and be with the Lakers going forward. But that would have been that I think it's it would have been an interesting situation to be a fly in the wall for to, to go through all those various machinations of what you want to do, because he did have some really interesting options in front of him. And certainly this worked out, I think, as well as it possibly could have from a Lakers standpoint, because he's really so good. I, he's thought a great they, deal. I thought they changed this rule, but maybe I'm wrong. You just mentioned that he would have been a restricted free agent again next year. I thought they changed the rule that you could you had to be restricted and you could be restricted in back to back years. No, if you're if you're a if you're a two if you're an early bird free agent like Austin third year was, basically your third year if you're playing if you you sign you sign a two year contract then you're a free agent. If you if he had signed the qualifying offer just a one year deal he would have been a full restricted free agent next year so he would have had his full restricted right. rights so he could have signed for a max if he wanted to. Right, but, but he's still restricted, and it's not. But he's still restricted. Palatable. Yes. Yeah. Being a, a being a restricted free agent is difficult and a bummer in certain situations. Being a restricted free agent back to back years, which has only happened a few times to to relevant players in the league, but I thought it was a loophole they were going to close. I guess I, I was wrong. That's a real bummer, and I and I didn't realize he was facing that. So not only was he facing leaving, you know, eight figures on the table this year because his qualifying offer would have been what, like three, two, three million. I don't, I don't know what the number was, but it was small. Right. So he'd have let, he'd have been $10 million behind and then face restricted free agency next year. Where even if he had another great year, he could have been in the same boat where people were like, well, the Lakers are going to match. So we're not going to offer. Yeah. It, I didn't realize that avenue and that makes it, I mean, it was a no brainer to me anyway, but that makes it a double no brainer. I think he told you that he and his agents talked it over for like 10 or 11 consecutive hours. Um, We just did it for 10 minutes and and reached the same conclusion. Honestly, my biggest concern, if I'm Austin Reeves and his agent is that, you know, he wants to be in LA. This deal makes him one of the more valuable trade assets in the league. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like Dorian Finney-Smith, if he would have waited, he probably would have gotten more than the four-year, $55 million deal, which was his max at a time on an extension. Mm -hmm. Same situation, same situation, basically. Yeah, that he signed signed a four-year, $55 million extension, the same one that Brunson declined. Uh, And he signed it right after the trade deadline because teams were asking about him and if they're not going to make a deal, it's probably going to be Brunson and or him involved. So they put it on the table right after the trade deadline. He signed that. He's basically like, Hey, 
I probably could have gotten more this this summer, but I love it here in Dallas. This is where I want to be. Like my family's getting taken care of. I'm good. Well, what happened yesterday less than a year later? He was an extremely valuable trade asset on that contract, and Mavericks moved him for Kyrie Irving. I'm not saying the Lakers are going to move Austin Reeves in a trade, but I guarantee you this, when the Lakers are calling other teams, Austin Reeves will be probably the first name that comes up in those conversations. Not probably. Definitely. And like, for example, if they had gone the alternate route we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and they had Mo Bamba and Malik Beasley under contract, if they had called the Portland Trailblazers and said, hey, we'll sign and trade you Austin Reeves on this number with those expiring contracts for Damian Lillard, Portland's having meetings about that. Well, look, that, that's the one thing about the Lillard situation. Who's to say how this season will play out? Who's to say? Like, let's, if they keep Lillard, who's to say that there won't be another player who like looks great and, all, and would look great in Portland that they may have rejected or may not have been eligible to be traded yeah in July, who may be available in December or January. And that's the thing. I know that there's frustration that exists out there, especially among the Heat fans, about why don't you just do this deal? But there's a number of reasons why the Blazers shouldn't. And I'm not suggesting that the Lakers would revisit that. And if Austin Reeves is, you know, even better this fall than he is was last season, that they would consider that. I'm just saying that that example that you just brought up, is another reason why if you don't like the deals that are on the table, there's no harm a lot of times in waiting. Yeah. Because you don't know who might become available. Yeah. I'm not sure that's the best path for them to take in this scenario, but it it is true. And look, and I think to your point, McMahon, the biggest thing is this is one of the best contracts in the league. This guy's really, really good. And, you know, if the Lakers are involved in any kind of trade talks going forward, it's going to be, we want Austin Reeves and then stuff. Any kind, of ma- any kind of major trade talk. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah, talking about for like all-star star level players. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That That's the first thing that's going to come up. It will be interesting to see how much Austin Reeves plays for Team USA because he's a combo guard. They have terrific ball handlers in Halliburton and Brunson. They have Ant Edwards. You do need good guard play. He's also big and can defend. Yeah, I, I was looking through size. the roster earlier. Brunson and Halliburton are going to play in some form. Mikhail Bridges and Jaron Jackson Jr. are going to play in some form. I think Anthony Edwards and Brandon Ingram are going to play in some form. I think Walker Kessler is going to be their second big, whether he starts next to Jaron Jackson or he's coming off the bench. He's got a chance to be a dominant FIBA player inside, gives him shot block, and they didn't have the last tournament. So I think he's their seventh guy. So I think the eighth or eighth or ninth spots. Conversations. I said. Walker, I thought sheriff. I said. I thought I said the sheriff. So then, to me, the the eighth and or ninth spots in the rotation are going to come down to Austin Reeves, Josh Hart, and Cam Johnson. And I think though, I think Paolo. I would guess Paolo Bencaro and Bobby Portis play a little bit, but I would say those three guys, Cam Reeves and Hart, those are the guys that are battling for those. And end of the main rotation minutes. And it'll be interesting to see how Steve Kerr divvies them up because they all do very different things and all are pretty, pretty interesting fits from a FIBA standpoint. The Ben Caro choice is extra interesting. Um, there's a number of second year guys who you could have considered for this team. Obviously, he was rookie of the year, but he there was a little drama within this because mm. the Bancaro has Italian heritage. 
his father side of the family and the the the, the Italian team was all ready to have him they were going to get him as a core member of their team for the foreseeable future or member had, as the the face of their program right he had indicated that he was going to play for the Italian team he would have played for the Italian team in the Olympics, they were one of the 12 teams that made the Olympics in 2021. And then I think there was a COVID situation. I can't remember if he got COVID or he was exposed and its intentions to go play were put on hold. But the Italians were devastated that all of a sudden after they had kind of recruited him for years, mm-hmm. he went over to Italy, um, I believe for the first time earlier this off season. And then all of a sudden he had an invitation to play for team USA and his choice was made. And, and so, how exactly was that communicated to the uh, Italian program? I believe they read it on Twitter. <laughs> I don't think that went over real well either. Yeah. Um, they were, you know, reading the quotes again from their leadership translated. They were just, disappointed more than anything they kind of understood but they were disappointed because they thought they'd gotten and that's the whole thing that is come down the margins that the americans have with these teams are just not the same the canadian team is absolutely for example is absolutely loaded the serbian yeah. team if they play everybody is loaded they're not the french teams yes. that's right the french team if they have everybody has real players on it and so, like, the U.S. has to think about stuff like that. And Joel Embiid is at the top of that list. Joel Embiid is, a, is, a, is an international free agent. I was going to say, say, Joel's a little different situation than Powell. But, yes, that's... The, <laughs> How many passports is he up to now? I think well, Embiid has three. Cameroon, has France, and the United States, I believe. And he can pick between France and the U.S. Well, I mean, he could play for Cameroon, too, but... As far as like real contend, like you know, yeah, world basketball contenders. Once, once every, once every month or six weeks, uh, Lequipe reporter will show up at a Sixers event and will ask Joel Embiid two questions in French, and one of them every single time is, "Are you going to play for the French national team?" I don't know very much French, but I know what he's asking, and I know what Joel. And I know what Joel's answer is every time, which is I'm not I'm not sure yet. I got to wait and see what happens. <laughs> it's the same. Yeah, I've seen this. I've seen this interaction happen 10 times now in the past year and a half. And it's probably going to happen another 20 times between now and next summer. And right. We'll see if he plays for anybody. My before guess is anyway, play though, for anybody. Before the Americans uh, ask this question, does he say part of my French to you guys? <laughs> McMahon is just there's, there's only one. But I was just saying that it was an interesting little sidelight to Bancaro getting an uh, a make you know an ironclad spot on this roster is mm-hmm. that it kept him it definitely kept him off Team mm-hmm. Italy this year and forever into the future. Regardless, he he was the rookie of the year. He could be a potential MVP candidate down the line. I don't know what his future is going to be. He could be a five time member of Team USA. He's going to be a zero time member of Team Team Italy. That I know. And that was accomplished this summer. So I'm not sure what Grant Hill's process was there, uh, but that's what the way it ended up. Okay, so Bontemps, you're going to watch them the rest of this week. They have an exhibition game uh, on Monday against Puerto Rico, who has qualified for the World Cup. 
No Jose Alvarado, though. No yes, he's not Ray either. Yeah, Jose Alvarado not ready to coming off that knee injury or that was it a, it was a leg broken injury, leg, injury. broken leg. Yeah, yeah. So he's not going to be able to play, which is a bummer for them. Um, the bummer for us, I was there was all the trash talk with him and Brandon Ingram back in a year mm-hmm. a month ago about going up against each other in this game. I was excited to watch that on Monday. And then I uh, talked to our guy, Andrew Lopez, earlier this week. So yeah, Jose's not going to play. I was like, oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, it was announced uh, recently. So, um, but we'll have uh, more information from you. And, uh, you know, the the select team is also, you uh, haven't really talked much about them. You'll get to see them in the next few days. Uh, Cade Cunningham, hope you get to see him play a little bit, making his return from his shin injury that's knocked him out since November, is playing with the select team. Yeah, I um, hope to get to see him. They were they were kind of sequestered away from everybody today. The the word coming out of the select team from people that were watching him today was just how massive of a human being Jalen Duran is, uh, despite being, I think, still a teenager. One of the execs that was there said he, he thought he reminded he thought he looked like Kirk Thomas when he was out there on the court, just to, just being a massive physical specimen. And you know, the kid's a teenager who looks like he's thirty five. Does Jalen Duran know who Kurt Thomas was, is, was? I mean, that's the, I mean, that's the question. Yeah, I mean, his his career definitely, uh, is he was definitely born several years into Kurt Thomas's career, which is oh, a pretty Kurt sad Thomas state of affairs for all for, of us. Kurt Thomas been out of the league for 10 years. Well, I, I know. I just mean it was, yeah. it's a sad state of affairs I mean, for us. He's still, a, in the middle he's of still a teenager and Kurt Thomas been out of the league for 10 years. I, yeah. I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. Thomas, who was highly critical of the Mavericks hotel selection during his brief time with Dallas. And I was pre-Cuban. Now, you know, Cuban came in and it's five star, baby. That's true. He wasn't happy with the with the Marriott's. Uh, I think Ross Pro Jr. might have had them in like some. Well, I don't want to say any you know, brand names that might be advertisers down the road, but I think he might have had them on the lower end. You know, they, they might've had like, you know, you know, you're at a place that ain't so hot when you, you open up the door to your room and you're outside. I think they might've been <laughs> those kind of places. Um, my favorite Mavericks hotel story was the middle of the 2006 finals in Miami when uh, Avery Johnson oh, yeah. was d- displeased and he yanked him out of probably yanked him out of one five-star hotel and took him to another. But Yeah. But the other one was 45 minutes away. There's also a, uh, an unfortunate hotel tale about um, in Memphis the night before Lamar Odom's last game in a Mavericks uniform. There was some some damage done to, to his hotel room because things he was partaking in. Hmm. All right. Hope Lamar is well. Heard about that one well, like years after the fact, but yes. Another former right, team well, USA guy, Lamar Odom. Oh, yeah. He uh, was on the 2004 team that got beat in uh, – in he was on the 2010 team. We opened the pot talking about also. Oh, okay. I didn't remember that. Um, all right. Well, Bontemps, uh, looking forward to your coverage for the next few days. Um, McMahon, you're on assignment. So wait, Very is much- Bontemps like the select team? And then you're like the, you know, you're like the real deal that takes over when they, when exactly they- right. I mean, exactly I wouldn't, right. I wouldn't qualify it as that. That's exactly right. Uh, he's, the, he's, he's like the Langston Galloway of, of this production. <laughs> Langston Galloway had a fine career. I just want, yep. just want to say. Still, that was his own sneaker brand, Ethics. It's true. Let alone fact. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Thank you, Bontemps. Thank you, McMahon. Thank you to our producer, Jackson. Thank you for listening. We'll be talking to you next week. Adios, amigos. Thank you.